It's an honor to be here. For those of you who do not know me, my name is Lee Weatherly. I am Pastor Heath's cousin. I know I'm the better looking of his two. Just playing. But uh, it is an honor to be here. Always an honor to fill the pulpit while he's out. I know you love your pastor. I know you appreciate him. And I would encourage you to continue to do that. Uh, not just your senior pastor, but his wife. And uh, also your youth pastors and all your leadership team here. Uh, you know, love them, support them. It's a new season that we're all in, and uh, but God is good through it all. Amen? Amen. Now, let's just go ahead and get this right out of the way. First crowd kind of helped me out a little bit, and uh, so uh, if you don't know anything about me, I, I was a youth pastor for 14 and a half years uh, thereabout in a small town called Oak Grove, Louisiana. Uh, was there, served on the state level, do some of that stuff still now, and uh, travel around. God called me to the evangelistic field, started that about two and a half years ago, two years ago, and uh, just been a great faith walk, and God's been doing some incredible things. And the last service that I was in, uh, right prior to COVID and the shutdown, I saw God move in a way like I've never seen God move before, literally, into a sanctuary or a place. There was about 75, 80 people in it. It had chairs like this. They had to stack all the chairs up, put all the chairs at the back, and for about two and a half to three hours in the altar call that no one can make it towards the front, but the power of God was so strong that everyone in the building was laid out underneath the power. Not not some people. I'm telling you, everybody. And all I could do was sit there and laugh because it was pretty Pretty awesome, pretty incredible. But I say that because I want you to understand, God is moving in a way like he's never moved before. Amen? Second thing you need to know about me is I'm a hollerback kind of preacher. So I have you in a hostage situation right now. The doors are closed at the back and lunch is approaching us very fastly. So you want out of here early, you're going to help me out this morning. Amen? Now you're being hateful and cruel. So anyhow, so turn with me, if you would, to the book of 1 Kings chapter number 17, which you find at 1 Kings chapter number 17. Would you please stand with me for the reading of God's word? It is an honor and privilege to be in God's house this morning. How many of you came expecting something from God? How many of you came expecting something from God? Because I want all of you to expect something from God. 1 Kings chapter number 17, beginning in verse number 1, and it says this. It says, And Elijah the Tishbite, the inhabitant of, of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be not dew nor rain these years, except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward. Everyone say eastward. Everyone say eastward. And hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan, and it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, and which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, and go to Zarephath. I'm going to say Zarephath which belongs to Sidon, which, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there at the gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hands. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little jar in a oil of a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself, for my, for my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Everyone say, do not fear. Do not fear. 
Say it like you really mean it. Say, do not fear. The Lord just said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make a small cake from it first. Everyone say first. And bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and her, she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke. By Elijah. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time. Thank you for this hour. Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your anointing that is in this house on this Sunday morning. Father, I thank you that we have the privilege and honor to be able to come and gather together in your name. Father, I thank you that we're not stuck at home. I thank you we're not stuck in quarantine. I thank you, Father, that your presence, your power, your anointing surpasses all of those things. But God, I thank you that in this midst this morning, that two or more people have chosen to gather together to hear your word on this Sunday morning. And Father, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of everything else that's going on in this world, in the midst of everything that's going on in this nation, Father, I pray that in some way, some in some fashion through your word this morning that hearts would be changed and encouraged and challenged God to do even greater things for your kingdom than we've ever done before for father we know that in this last day you are moving in a way like you have never moved before and doing things like you have never done before father I pray that your anointing would rest upon me as your servant this morning from the top of my head to the soles of my feet lift me up above my talents and above my abilities let every word that is spoken forth from these lips of clay be straight from your throne on this Sunday morning. Father, we are believing for signs, wonders, and miracles to follow the believers in these last days we're living in. Father, we thank you for it and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning for just a little while. This morning, I want to speak to you on a subject entitled, When the Brook Dries and Birds Don't Fly. Lean to your neighbor and say, When the Brook Dries. Come on, you got to get vocal with me this morning for just a little while. When the Brook Dries and Birds Don't Fly. When the brook dries and birds don't fly. This is a very familiar passage of scripture. And those of you that sat in the first service, I'm sorry you got to be tortured by listening to me the second time. But no message is ever the same. So just hold on. So, but this morning I want to speak to us in an encouragement to the church body. In this season, in this time that we are living in. A season that so many times fear seems to grasp God's people. Are you with me this morning? That we are living in such a time and such an hour right now that fear has not only gripped the world, but fear has begun to grip the church. Can I tell us on this Sunday morning that it has never been God's intention for not people in general, but especially not for his people to live in fear and fear. But can I tell you that on this Sunday morning that fear is straight from the pits of hell? Are you with me this morning? Look, I'm on the clock right now, so if you want out here by lunch, you're going to have to help me out, all right? But we have been living in such a time to where fear has been trying to invade the church. We're living in such a time that I told first service, you know, that I believe that, that fear has, has elevated things within the spiritual realm to such a degree that it's the reason why we're seeing rights. It's the reason why we're seeing racism. It's the reason why we're seeing all of these things that are taking place across our nation. Never once have I ever, and I know I'm only, I'll be 34 tomorrow, but never once have I ever dream of the fact of living in the United States of America and having to go through some of the things that we're going through today. Amen. We've seen it around the 
world. We've seen it in other places. We've seen things happening. But never once have I ever seen fear gripping not just the world, but God's people in a way like it has today. But then I began to, as I looked at the scripture, and as we all understand, and we've studied scripture at some point in time, I've looked at the scripture and understood that throughout scripture, you will also find two words that set people free so many times. Those words are, anyone know? Fear not, because you're in the first service. Thank you so much. Those two words are fear not. Everyone say fear not. not. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say fear not. Fear not, because you see, throughout the word of God, he gives us in some way, some form, some fashion, the words fear not over 365 times. Now, that's not just by coincidence that he gives us that over 365 times. But we need to understand that if God gives you a word for every single day that you wake up that says, fear not, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed, do not be in those things, do not live in fear. If he gives you a word for every single day, it's because he knows and he understands that the enemy is going to come against you every day to try to bring fear in your life. Are you with me on this Sunday morning? And we need to understand that we have been given power, dominion, and authority to face everything the enemy has placed in front of us and face it head on and live life not in fear. Are you with me on this morning? How many want to live life not in fear? Half of you. The rest of you, I don't know where you're at this morning. But anyhow, live life not in fear. But we are living in such a time, in such a day, in such an hour. Look, I said this in the first service. I'll say this again. The fearful are not faithful, but the faithful should never be fearful. Let me say that again. Someone needs to tweet that. The fearful are not faithful, but the faithful should never be fearful. You need to understand on this Sunday morning here at Sanctuary Family Worship Center. You need to understand in the midst of a COVID-19 season. You need to understand that it's not just about COVID-19. But we are living in a day and a time and an hour where chaos is breaking out all across the world. But you need to understand on this Sunday morning. If you are a born again child of the Most High God. Been set free, delivered and healed and walking in His fullness. You need to understand that God gives you the power, the dominion, and the authority to not live in fear. It's not time for the church to tuck tail and hide and run and back down, but it's time for the church in the 21st century in the day and age in the midst of COVID season, in the midst of quarantine. It is time for the church to be the church that God has called us to be, to be the anointed people. God has called us to be, to be a people who do not live in fear to not live in fear the word of God tells us that perfect love casts out all fear perfect love casts out all fear I began to think throughout all the scriptures and throughout everything you'll find that, that the scripture tells you in Psalms chapter number Psalms chapter number 27 it says this it says the Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear the Lord is the strength of my life of whom shall I be afraid when the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh my enemies and my foes they stumbled and fell though an army may encamp against me my heart shall not fear though they war 
war against me and rise against me. In this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. You need to help me out on this Sunday morning. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire His temple. You can read it all the way through. David is speaking here and he's writing to the people and he's saying, if God is who He says He is, if God is your God, if He is truly Lord of your life, who shall you be afraid of? If God is for you, who can be against you? If God is fighting your battle for you, don't be afraid. Don't don't live in fear because God has already given us the victory. It's just up to us to walk it out. Are you with me this morning? You see, I come to preach a word and speak a word into you. Oh, what should you do when the brook dries up and when birds no longer fly? What can you do in seasons of your life? When it seems like everything else is coming against you. And it seems like everyone's coming. uh, It seems like everyone, people, things, everything within the world is coming against you. I spoke at one time when I was here before in a message that I preached. and, And within that, we need to understand that in order to live not in fear, we have to know what our identity is. And we need to understand That from the very beginning of the foundations of the earth, when God created Adam and Eve, and when Lucifer was here, the very thing the enemy has always been after within your life and within my life is attacking our identity. Everyone say identity. He has been going after yours and my identity. Genesis chapter number 3 verse number 9 tells us that after Adam and Eve had partaken of the the forbidden fruit that they had fallen, they went and hid themselves and they were hiding from God. And God comes back down to dwell and walk among Adam and Eve. And he he asks this question. He says, Adam, where are you? Everyone say, where are you? Say it like you mean it. Say, where are you? He says, Adam, where are you? And I alluded to the fact last time, but many of you are new faces that I see and probably didn't hear it. And it's worth repeating anyhow. But, but within it, to the fact of the matter, that God is not a God who plays hide and go seek. God was not asking Adam and Eve in this moment, where, what tree are you hiding behind? What bush are you hiding behind? I can't find you. Where are you at? God was not asking that kind of a question. What God was asking Adam and Eve in this moment is He was asking them a question. Adam, when I left from here, I had you in a place of dominion and I had you in a place of power and I had you in a place of authority. But now you are no longer in that place that I put you in. And I came here on this Sunday morning to preach the Sanctuary Family Worship Center that the church in general, in the day and the hour that we are living in, I believe God is asking the exact same question. In the midst of a COVID season, I believe that God is asking the church the same question. Church, where are you? Because I have given you power. I have given you dominion. And I have given you authority. I have given you the anointing to speak to things and people walk out healed. I have given you the ability to speak to people that are dead and lost and dying and going to a devil's hell. I have given you the authority to tread upon serpents. I have given you all of these things. But church, where are you? In the midst of a season where so many people are cowering down. In the midst of a season where the enemy 
has tried to take the church and constrict the church to living in a state of fear. Of wondering whether your words that you say are going to be politically correct or not. Can I tell you on this Sunday morning, it's not about political correctness. It is about preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ that he came and died and was resurrected for you and I so we can spend life and eternity in heaven with him. God is not concerned about what color you are. He's not concerned about anything. There's only two things within the word of God, Jew and Gentile. That is all he's worried about. And what he is worried about is John three sixteen, the simplicity of the gospel that all should not perish, but all should have have everlasting life. The gospel is not something to be contained by a sense of fear, but the gospel is something that we as the church body should be walking out every single day, living it out and preaching it, not in a sense of fear, not in a state of fear, but in a place of understanding that God is who he said he is. Where is the church? You have to understand your identity. You have to understand that as a child of God, you have been given authority. I'm going to say authority. No matter what's going on in your life, who is your source? Not what is your source. Who is your source? No matter how everything else in life is going, you have to know your source. First Kings chapter number 17, we read the story of Elijah. You can read all prior to 1 Kings 17 there and you'll you'll never find anything about Elijah. But all of a sudden, in the middle of nowhere, Elijah just shows up. 1 Kings 17, Elijah just shows up in the middle of nowhere and it starts off. And Elijah is in a place that he's running from Jezebel. He's doing all these things. And and God tells him, he says, go and and, and go over and stay by the the brook uh, Cherith. And there I'm going to provide for you at this brook. But you see, you got to understand something here. In the midst of the season of where Elijah was, Elijah understood who he was in Christ. See, Elijah had an anointing. Elijah had a very special anointing. He had an anointing for elements. When he would pray for things or pray over things, things would begin to multiply. It's all throughout the scripture. You'll find it. Elijah also had a special anointing of the ability to call down fire out of heaven. Be pretty cool, right? Maybe. It's probably a good thing I don't have that anointing because there's a few people I pretty already took it out already. But he had an anointing to call down fire out of heaven. We find as you fast forward through the scripture there, you'll find when it goes to the prophets of Baal, 450 prophets, it brings them up to Mount Carmel and he calls down fire. When they say, how is it that we're going to show that we can prove that whose God is who? Well, Elijah just kind of, Sucker, sucker punched him there for a little bit. He's like, you know what? I know I got this thing for calling down fire, so we'll just see whoever can call down fire. And that's who's going to be our God. So Elijah had this thing, but also you'll find out that he said throughout the word, throughout scripture, you'll find to where Elisha is, I mean, Elijah is there and, and 50 men, the king sends 50 men out to go and, and get him and go and kill him. And as they're coming against Elijah, Elijah looks at those 50 men riding all those horses and he calls down fire from heaven and it kills all 50 of those men. The horses run off. And then the king King sends out 50 more men and he calls down fire from heaven, consumes those 50 and the horses run back off. You know, you would think people would get the memo. If there's fire falling down from heaven, I'm not getting on no horse and I'm not going after that guy. So third time, 50 more people go out there and he says, hold up. We just want to talk for just a second. The last guy got a little sense about him. Amen. But Elijah had this anointing. 
You see, it's important for you to understand the anointing that God has for you. There is a common misconception within the church world today that people think the anointing is only for the person behind the pulpit. But that is not the case. God has a special anointing and a special calling for every single person in this room and on the face of this earth. The question is, are you walking in the anointing that God has for you? Because when we understand and we really get it on the inside of us of understanding that God himself has given us the power and the authority and the dominion to overcome and overtake anything, we will be an unstoppable church. Knowing your identity, knowing that you have a special anointing. Elijah knew these things. He knew the importance of knowing where he was. Now, in context here in 1 Kings chapter number 17, we have to understand that Ahab was the ruler at this time. Ahab was also married to a woman by the name of Jezebel. Jezebel. Evil woman of this time, if you've ever studied anything. Ahab was married to Jezebel. Ahab is ruling. He's reigning in this moment. And the word of God says that Ahab did more evil than anyone else. That's what Scripture says. That Ahab did more evil than anyone else because of who he was connected to. And Elijah goes to Ahab and he goes to all this and he says, there will be no more rain in this land until I say so. Think about the power and the authority and the audacity to have such an identity and anointing of knowing who you are. That you will go before kings and priests and people of dignitary positions and say, under the authority of God, it shall not rain until I say so. And at that moment, the heavens were shut up. There was no dew and there was no rain. And a famine hit the land. And now there's an issue that's going on. And when he said that, because of his fearfulness of Jezebel, Elijah runs to the brook and stays by the brook. In that moment, God comes down and God begins to provide for Elijah. He provides by a brook that is flowing. And he provides by sending ravens day in the morning and in the evening. Now these ravens, they would go and it says they would get bread and they would get meat. I don't know about you. Have you ever been around a raven before? Have you ever tried to take food away from a raven before? It's not happening. But the reality of it is here is that when God wants to do something, he will use the most unlikeliest of things to provide for his people. God commands a raven to go and get bread and get meat and not eat it, but bring it back to the man of God. We need to understand within this context here too that there is a famine in the land. There are people who are starving and dying. There are people that don't have anything to eat. So where does the bread and the meat come from? You got to understand in context that historically most likely that bread and that meat came from the king's house. Who was king? King Ahab, a wicked ruler. A wicked king. Not only did God command and change the nature of an animal that 
typically devours food to bring it to the man of God. He changed the nature that the animal was to go to the enemy's territory and grab the food to bring back to the man of God. Some of you need to hear that word this morning. He changed it to where the raven goes to the king's house, the wickedness, the enemy's territory, and brings it back. So you need to understand, in Psalms chapter number 23, when David is writing to us, he says, Thou preparest a table before me, where? Where? Come on, say it a little bit louder. Where? In the presence of my enemies. Now, we always want God to do an outpouring in our life and provide for us because we come to church. We always want God to provide for us and do an outpouring in our life because we just get prayed for. But can I submit to us on this Sunday morning that often, many times, the very place that God wants to provide for you is from the enemy's territory. Look at the life of Moses. Moses, Jochebed, his mom, Jochebed takes him and places him in the Nile River in a basket. He goes down the river, and who picks him up? Pharaoh's daughter, right? Pharaoh's daughter then takes him to the palace. Then looks for someone to nourish him. Who do they go get? Jochebed, his mom. The point of the story within that is this. Is that God used the enemy, Pharaoh, who was trying to kill the boy, to pay the bill, to raise him and educate him, and take his mama, still get to take care of him. When Pharaoh paid all the bills. (laughs) Wouldn't you like to have it go home and... The enemy just done unloaded dump loads of $100 bills in your front yard this morning, right? In the midst of COVID season, in the midst of people losing jobs, in the midst of everything going on, who needs a stimulus check when we could just go and the enemy's going to provide for us, amen? Word of God says the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous, amen? That's what it said. If you're feeling generous this morning, I'm just saying. <laughs> but the reality of it is, is this. Is that God provides. He says he set up a table for them in the presence of their enemies. And in that moment, David goes on and he says, You anoint my head that my cup runs over. Listen. Some of the unlikeliest moments and on the unlikeliest situations and the unlikeliest places, God performs the most unlikeliest of things. Elijah is here as he's hiding. And he wakes up one morning. The brook's dried up. There's no water left. And the birds are no longer coming. What do you do in your life when your brook is dried up and the birds no longer fly? What do you do in your life when it seems like God has left you? What do you do in your life when you think that God has forgotten about you? Can I tell you, it's very easy in this season that we're all walking through to think that God has forgotten about America. Can I tell you and submit to us this? God has not forgotten about America, but America could forget about God. God has never forgotten about his people. God will always sustain His people. He will always provide for His people. But the question to you this morning is, who is your source? 
When your brook is no longer there, when the birds are no longer coming, who is your source? It's not the church. It's not the pastor. It's not Congress. Definitely not Congress. It's not anyone of dignitary position. Who is your source? The source was not the ravens. The source was not the brook. The source was God himself. And can I tell you something? If in this season you are relying on a certain person or an individual outside of God himself, it will always and they will always fail you. And you will not survive. Your source has to be God himself. God sends Elijah to an unlikely place. He looks at Elijah and he says, now that it's dried up, now that the birds are no longer coming, I want you to get up and I want you to go to Zarephath. They're going to say Zarephath. I want you to get up and I want you to go to Zarephath. Now, the word Zarephath means this. It means oil refinery. Or the place where the oil never runs out. The place where the oil never runs out. The other thing you need to understand about Zarephath is this. Is it said in scripture that it was next to, or it was included in the region of Sidon. Everyone say Sidon. Are you with me this morning? Ready to go home, ready to go eat. I understand. It's cool. Sidon. What you need to understand is that with Sidon was the place of the hometown of where Jezebel was from. Isn't it kind of crazy that God would say, I need you to leave where you're at at this brook, cross back over the Jordan River, and head north for a very long trip if you look it up on the map. And I need you to go right back into the territory of the woman that you're afraid of and you're trying to run from. Oh, I need to help someone out this morning. I need you to go back into the territory of the enemy because it's in the territory of the enemy that I'm going to provide for you. Now, God, hold up. Wait just a minute. I don't like her. I'm afraid. I'm living in fear. I'm over here hiding as far away from her as what I can. And you want me to go back into that place of where she's originally from, her hometown, and everything that's going on? You want me to go there? I said, yep. But it's because in that place is a place where the oil will never run dry. Can I tell us this morning? That any time you make a move to follow where God is calling you to, and any time you step into a place of understanding your power, your authority, your dominion, and your anointing, that whenever you get to the place of where the enemy is, that God will supply all the oil that you need. You need to understand that oil is representation of the Holy Spirit. It is representation of the anointing. But so many times we're very fearful of marching into the enemy territory to take back what the enemy has stolen from us but God says that whenever you do what I've called you to do and walk in the anointing that I've called you to walk in then when you're in the midst of the enemy's territory I will provide for you and the oil will never stop he goes and he says go there to an unlikely place 
and you're going to meet an unlikely person. And it says Elijah goes to the gate. And there he meets a widow woman. Now you need to understand in culture at this time, a widow woman was a nobody. Nobody cared about a widow woman. That's culturally, that's the way it was. Husband passed away, the son would become a slave if there was some debt to go and work for the person that there was debt offered to. But there was no provision, nothing. Why would God send a man of God to a place to meet a woman who has no provision? It says, she goes there, and as she goes there, he asks her, get me a cup of water. She goes to get him a cup of water. That's not a problem. He says, while you're at it, make me some bread. What was her response? Sure, I'll grab that while I'm in there. What was her response? She said, it ain't happening, sir. Because all I have is just a little bit of morsel. And all I have is just a little bit of oil. She was very encouraging in this. And she said, we're going to make it and we're going to die. Such an encouragement, right? Don't you like being around negative people? Yeah. Not at all. He says, we're going to make this and we're going to die. But Elijah responds back to her and he says, no, make me one first and then you can make your own. How dare you as a man of God have the audacity to take the food away from me and my son? Did I not just tell you we're going to make it, we're going to die? Think about that today. Be all over Fox News, CNN, everything else you see. Man of God steals from the woman. Last meal taken. Right? The truth. Or man of God kills widow. That's just what it would just say. Why would God send him to a woman who has no means for herself? out of all of the other widows in the area and out of everything else that was going on and everyone else that is living through a famine, why not send them to someone who actually has some more meat and some bread? Because there's more to the story than just provision. He says, I want you to go there. And she says, he says, I want you to make me the first and give me the first. You see, it's very important for us to understand the concept that within moments and times of crisis and in moments of times of chaos, that it is more vital for us to understand that we have to always give God what is first. Regardless of our situations, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of whether you just lost your job, regardless of whether or not your house is in turmoil, regardless of bills are stacking up, regardless of anything, if you don't give God what is first, He can't bless you. But as long as you give God what is first, then you can receive the fullness of the blessings that God has for you. Give me what is first. She goes in. She makes it. She takes the ingredients. She gives it to them. The Word of God says this. It says, well, first of all, let's back up just a second. When she said, man of God, I, I don't have all of this. I can't do this. 
It said in verse number 13, it says, And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Everyone say that, do not fear. Notice, Elijah did not speak to her lack. He spoke to her fear. And when he removed the fear, there was provision in her lack. You see, so many times we look at the ingredients that we have and we think we don't have enough. God has never once called a person to do something with something they don't have. God has always called a person to do something with what you do have, and when you give him what you do have, he will multiply it and use it on a greater level. But so many times, we live life of thinking, God can't use me because I don't have what they have. Well, God can't use me because I'm not a pastor. God can't use me because I don't drive a nice car. God can't use me because I drive too nice of a car. God can't use me because of this, that, and the other, whatever. Excuse after excuse after excuse. God has called you to be used with what you have. And whenever you take what you have, little is much when God is in it. When he finds out you're faithful with the little, he began to bless you with the much. It's the principle. It says, go in. Do not fear. Make this. She makes it. Isn't it ironic that the two things that God sustains and God provides are bread and oil. Bread is the Word of God. And oil is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The two things that God provided in the midst of enemy territory was the Word of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. No matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, God will always provide when you give him what is first. You fast forward this story all the way through, you will find that in this miracle, as God is performing, you will find that this woman says, at the very beginning, she says this, She says, your God. Everyone say, your God. Trying to find which scripture it's in. I got it highlighted and I can't find it. It says, your God. It's where she's talking about when he's talking to her. Right here, it says in verse number 12. So she said, as the Lord, your God lives. I do not have these elements. She did not say, as the Lord, my God. Or as the Lord, our God. She said, as the Lord your God, which insinuates that she has no relationship with this God Elijah is talking about. Provision is made. The oil never runs dry. The flour never runs dry. And then Elijah is staying with this woman for three years. What it says. So many times we separate all these stories out and we think there's totally different things. Follow the story all the way through. For three years, Elijah is staying with this widow woman. For three years, the oil never runs dry and the flour never stops. 
And somewhere within those three years, the story progresses to a place to where her son dies. Now, how can it be in the midst of provision by God that life is taken? And she, not being a believer in God at this time, Elijah's ministering to her. Remember, your God, not my God. Elijah is here ministering to her, and she comes to Elijah, and she says, why is it? That you bring all this chaos into my life. Why is it that you bring all of this, 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 this death into my family? Basically is what she's saying. My son is now dead. And we didn't have any problems before you got here. But hold up. Wait a minute. You just told me day one when I got here, you're going to eat this and go die. See how things get turned around very fast? You see how in the midst of provision, you can lose sight of who actually is even providing? He says, you, you caused this to happen. And Elijah takes the boy, takes him up to the upper room where he'd been staying. Elijah pleads before God and Elijah prays over him and life enters back into his body. Him and the boy come back down and notice what happens in verse number 24. It says, for now I know your God. Could it be That in the midst of chaos, in the midst of destruction, in the midst of when the enemy, in an enemy's territory, in the midst of COVID season, in the midst of quarantine, in the midst of everything happening, riots and everything happening all across. Could it be that God is saying that there is more than just provision that I want to provide for the church? But in the midst of provision, it is the responsibility of the church to reach the lost. For three years, Elijah ministered to this woman and her son. Can I tell us on this Sunday morning, what do you do when your brook is dry and the birds no longer fly? What do you do when all hope seems to be gone? What do you do when you turn on the TV and everything that you see is fear, gloom, despair, and agony, and the bears, and the lions, and the tigers, and everything's coming out, and they're all coming to get you and kill you, and tomorrow you're not even going to be alive? What do you do? Do you live in fear because it's the end of times? Do you live in fear because Jesus Christ is about to come? Do you live in fear for any of that? No. You should understand that the coming of Jesus Christ should be one of the most joyous occasions of our generation. If he is about to come, and I believe he's coming soon, but if he is about to come, we should not live in fear. But God, I believe, is speaking to the church and He is saying, Church, where are you? I have a provision for you. I have an oil that will not run dry. I have bread. I have the Word. I have everything that you need. I just need you to invade the enemy's territory. And when you invade the enemy's territory, I'll provide everything that you need to reach the lost and dying world. But I need you to be who I've called you to be. What do you do when your brook is dry and the birds no longer fly? 
miracle after miracle after miracle, you will find as God brings provision, but most every single time, provision is always provided in the midst of the enemy's territory by the enemy. Most every time. Word of God tells us in Philippians chapter number 4, verse 19, says, but my God shall supply all your needs according to what? According to the United States riches. According to how well everything else is going around you and Gina. According to how the world is going. No. According to his riches. You see, when you understand a concept, I am a citizen of the United States. But more than a citizen of the United States, I'm a citizen of a place called heaven. And when you understand that you are a citizen, wherever you claim citizenship from, you have a right to claim everything that that nation or that place has to provide. God said, according to his riches, Matthew 6, 31 through 33. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Sanctuary Worship Center as a church, and as individuals. What do you do when your brook is dry and the birds don't fly? You trust God as your source. Man can never be your source. A raven can never be your source. A brook can never be your source. But under the authority of God's word, God himself is your source. And he will never leave you He will never forsake you. It doesn't matter what sickness comes against you. It doesn't matter if you've lost your job. It doesn't matter if you don't have any money to pay the bills next week. Can I tell you something? When you are faithful to God and you give him what is first, he'll be faithful to you. What are you doing with the little bit of things that God has given you? I'm going to do something a little bit different with just a little bit of time. I know it's 12, 15. I want to take just a couple of minutes. Can I get the worship team up here for just a second, please? Because I believe in this moment, if you want to be prayed for, I'll pray for you. Uh, But I understand social distancing and all that. I'm going to respect all that as well, too. But if you want to be prayed for, I'll pray for you. But also believe that God can touch you right where you are. No matter what it is that you're facing. No matter what it is that you're going through. We sang a song earlier, The Great I Am. One of the things that I get tired of It's the fact that we quote scripture and we sing songs. It sounds great, but do we actually believe it? Because you see, let me tell you something. The only word that the enemy can steal is the unapplied word. But if you take the word and you apply it and not just read it, 
the enemy can't steal it. This Sunday morning, I challenge you. Are you going to take the word and apply it? In the midst of darkness, in the midst of hopelessness, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of everything that's going on, in the midst of when your brook is dry and when birds no longer fly, are you going to trust God and move into the enemy's territory and say, I have been given dominion, I have been given power, and I have been given authority. I'm going to be who God has called me to be. And I'm going to walk in the anointing that he's given upon my life. I'm going to reach a lost and dying world regardless of what comes against me. This morning, you may say, Pastor Lee, been dealing with some things, been going through some issues, health issues, whatever it is, financial issues, spiritual issues, whatever it is. But there's been things in my life that the enemy's come and he's attacked and he's been going through. I want you to stand right where you are. You say, you'd be honest. Look, if you can be honest before men, I can be honest before God. Thank you. In the next few moments, now if you want to come down here, I'll be glad to pray with you. I'll hand sanitize. I'll do whatever. I'll be glad to do that. But I want to respect it as well too and understanding that right where you are, God can touch, heal, mend, deliver, and provide. Now I want everyone else to stand. They're going to sing this for just a little bit before we close out. The great I am. The mountains shake before him. Wow. Do you really believe that all power is given unto the name of Jesus Christ? Do you really believe that? Then no matter what situation you're facing, it's not necessarily about laying on a hand. It's about understanding, Jesus, I know you're able. So can we do this this morning? If you feel comfortable enough with this, if you want to come down and be prayed for, we'll do that. Let's, if, can we just do this across the building this morning? Can we just all close our eyes for just a few moments? you feel comfortable enough doing this? Can we just all lift our hands? Especially if you're in need. Begin to thank Him for your provision. Begin to th- Come on, lift your voices up in this house. It's not about just sitting there listening to someone else talk. It's about speaking to God right where you are. Come on, can you just begin to invite His presence in this house? It's already here. Been invited upon your life right now. Father, we welcome you into this place and we thank you for your provision. Father, begin to move, begin to touch. Begin to mend the broken hearts. God, begin to bring provision. God, in the seasons where the brook seems dry and in the season where birds no no longer seem to fly, God, I pray that you will provide for your people in a way like you have never provided before. And God, on this Sunday morning, God, as we are about to sing from our hearts about how great you are, of the great name that you come with, God, I pray that the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit will begin to invade the territory and saturate the hearts and the lives of your people. Come on, lift your hands and lift your voices this morning.